You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks, and I am your host, Rebecca Hayden. For those of you who are interested in self-discovery and healing through hypnosis, please email me at rebecca.hayden at gmail.com to book a free consultation. Welcome to another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Today, I have Nathaniel Pearl with me, and he is the Curious Chimps podcast host. He's a massage therapist and a personal trainer. Uh, Hi, Nathaniel. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, we had a great discussion uh, before we started recording and recently about spirituality and reality and consciousness. Um, yeah, our favorite topics. <laughs> so um, Nathaniel was sharing with me uh, this experience that he had as a child um, uh, being indoctrinated into a religion, as many of us were, and um, how he began to question it um, at the same age and in similar ways that I did. Um, so yeah, Nathaniel, if you would share that story with us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of us grew up with some type of religion in the background. Uh, I come from a Jewish background. My family was never really religious, but it was always, let's go to synagogue. It's time to, to do the, the rituals, the prayers and all that kind of stuff. And I remember going to synagogue with my father and some, and my brother and my sister and all the, all the family members, but never resonating with what was being taught and never feeling like my questions were answered. And we're talking as young as seven years old. That's as far back as I can remember. I always remembered this spiritual connection that they're reading in the text and how you feel God and everything. And I was feeling nothing. And I was trying, I was like something wrong with me, you know? And these questions were, were eventually asked to, to rabbis, to my father, to my friend's parents. And they were just like, you just have to have faith. You just have to have faith. You just got to believe it's, this is what it says in the text. This is what it means. And just, you don't have to go further than that. And I was never okay with that. I was always wondering. I remember at seven years old, I was wondering this question, which now looking back, I'm so like impressed with myself. It was like, <laughs> they were talking about this is God's way. I'm like, okay, so God created everything, but who created God? Like, this is, this is my wonder. And then who created God's God? And then I was going down this like loop of who created who, you know? And I'm like, if there's a God, then who was before God? And no one could answer these questions. And this is a, a young seven-year-old asking adults, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I remember. <laughs> my question was different because um, in my situation, they were just telling us what we believed. I mean, and they wouldn't really say that that's what they were doing. They would simply state after reading from the Bible with me, it was Christianity, it was, you know, Catholicism. And they'd say, we believe this and we believe that. And for me, it was like, well, who's we, you know, are they actually telling us what we believe, you know? So I had these deeper questions and it was important to me. And clearly for you, you had the same experience at the same age too. So that's very interesting. It's, uh, there's and, something about age seven. Yeah, I don't know. But um, I, I think the kids have a lot more wisdom and self-understanding than we give them credit for. And I, I think that if we're really going to change this world, we've got to honor, you know, where kids are coming from a lot more than we have in the past. <laughs> and su suppressing those questions and kind of brushing them off, I think is a huge disservice because kids in a sense, well, they're not, they're not um, occupied by the, the busyness of life yet. They have such an open mind. And when they ask questions like that, I think that's a huge opportunity for growth for both parties. Absolutely. And they have, um, because they're uh, coming from a more innocent uh, and open state, um, you know, they sense things and uh, those sensitivities are usually just bang on, you know, they don't come from nowhere. And yeah, I, I learn a lot from my son. And uh, yeah, he's, he's one of my greatest teachers. And wow. I think that also everybody's experience in shamanism, I think that we can all agree <laughs> that, um, through ayahuasca we're taught you know being open is is very important and being and approaching the world with more innocence and you know creativity and these are things that come naturally to children it's the years and years of programming that, <laughs> that cause the harm that we then go to ayahuasca to to um start to heal um but uh, i call it untangling i feel like 
we get caught up in these knots and then ayahuasca just releases the knots and then you're like a lot of people record reports saying they reconnect with their inner child <laughs> you know right exactly and that's a huge thing right because all of that stuff is still there it's it's yeah. still there it's just oh and and the untangling it's funny because when i came back from peru with this voice that continued the whole dialogue just continues for me and untangling was exactly how they described you know why i was confused and why i was having difficulty understanding what they were trying to tell me you know it's okay we just have to untangle all this stuff you know That's and slowly true. yeah day by day year by year we did it and we continued that work but um so you then went eventually oh talk about how that was growing up because we did have that great discussion around that having these deep questions and not being able to really you know explore that fully as as you grew up i mean there, were, there was a kind of um uh, you know a feeling of isolation around it oh yeah and i didn't know at the time well, obviously i didn't know at the time but I didn't know in more recent years that it actually formed these patterns of behavior that were actually pretty complex, which stemmed from that feeling of disconnect and lack of um, lack of being heard or understood. And navigating through my life from that age on, I was always, these questions weren't being answered. I, they were kind of being shushed and I was kind of suppressing them because I felt maybe instead of these questions actually being clever it was actually that i'm stupid in a sense and i shouldn't be asking these questions so it created like this little um this this form of like not hate but anger towards myself that i'm not feeling this way like blame you know and yeah this this starts patterns of dismissing ourselves dismissing that voice inside of us that is coming from that great place of innocence and open open curiosity right isn't that incredible that you say that it comes from a place of innocence and then it turns into this hate, self-hate and anger. It's like, it's like it went the complete opposite direction because it wasn't received properly. It wasn't reacted to properly in the moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't honored. Yeah. And I mean, that simply comes from our history of, of this illness, you know? Yeah. You know, it just, it's like the misery starts to compound and other people's misery or whatever starts to, to, to seep into you, you know, and then, then we get older and we become more self-aware and we got to start using that word again, untangling all those, those programmings and things that just piled up on us, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we start to identify with other people, you know, through that pain mm. instead of from a place of open innocence and curiosity, which would be much better, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like the law of attraction. And I actually was watching a video. There was a life coach talking to, she was doing a live Facebook feed. And this girl asked her, why am I, I, I'm with, I'm in an abusive relationship, but I'm not able to get out of it yet. I still, I feel the need to be with this person, but I want to get out of it. Can you help me get out of it? And then the life coach said is like, first you have to come to realization that a part of you actually wants that experience. Yes. Once you find out that part of you, why that part of you wants that experience, then you can start to heal. And for me, I never even thought of it as that possibility. And it blew my mind that it's like there's a pain inside you that that pain is kind of getting amplified, but there's an attachment to that pain that you haven't addressed yet. Sure. Yeah, we have attachments. Yeah. And, and that's really all there is. That's the reason why ayahuasca and other great masters that come to teach us um, want us to look at ourselves instead of out in the world. We think we're going to get answers looking out in the world, but we can't because it all starts here. And if we have an attachment to something, we can rant and rave about it as much as we like, <laughs> but it's our own will that is determining, you know, our relationship with it. Um, because we, we, if we don't take responsibility for our part in it, we're going to be, you know, ever in this loop where we're going outside of ourselves for answers and never seeing our part in it, you know? It's, you, I see that a lot in ceremony that some people who have such deep attachments to what they thought was true coming to a realization in ceremony can be so hard on some people. And me, yeah. you know, it's so healing, but that, that illusion of attachment to, to what you think is true when you come to a realization that it isn't, I mean, it's life-changing, but it can be so hard. You know, we, we hide ourselves so well. 
And then what ayahuasca will do is reveal to you who you truly are. And that it's powerful, but, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't come easy. No. And, and, and that's okay. You know, because it's, I, I feel a great sense of accomplishment and I'm sure I'm not alone there. A lot yeah. of people feel that. And, and I think that it's important to celebrate these things too. I mean, you know, there are people out there that climb mountains and, and run races and, and they all do Olympics and they get, you know, all these uh, people applaud, you know, and they get these accolades. And uh, for us, you know, we are achieving amazing things and they, they maybe aren't as, as overt as those kinds of accomplishments, but they're, uh, they're just as important. In fact, far more important, really, because they make this world a better place. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And it's funny you say that because every time during our ceremonies, we usually have uh, three services throughout the night and every few hours they, they come around for the next service. And I just, when I see, because it's usually done in collective groups, when I see each group member go up for that next, that next cup, I just have like this, this camaraderie. I'm like, you're so brave. You're such a strong soul going for that cup. And I'm just, it's like this cheering in a sense, but it gives you the strength to continue on. But it's just, that's how difficult and how powerful this is that and how much courage is involved in doing this. And it's so beautiful to see, you know, each person just, just stepping to the plate to, to look inwards, to, to fix what needed to be fixed. I couldn't agree more. I, I feel that every single time, Nathaniel, I wonder if everybody does because I do too. It's oh, what makes it possible for us to do it is the fact that everybody else is, is, you know, brave enough to do this. And certainly I should be able to, right? You know, my, my co-host, Sam, he said a funny story because there was this beautiful woman who looked so like gentle and innocent, but yet in ceremony, she went, she's the first one at the cup and everything. And she just sat the whole experience in a meditative state. And he's like, this woman is so gentle at the service, but she's such a warrior, a warrior. And you just look at her in admiration. He's like, yes, she gave me so much strength to continue on. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think that our, um, our impact on one another is there in this, you know, larger ceremony that we call life. Mm. And yet when we're in ayahuasca ceremony, we see that more clearly, you know, we see that we're impacted by the people around us and that we're all healing each other and all, you know, even sometimes provoking each other and all having an impact on one another. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to be aware of. It's incredibly empowering. Oh, that's so true. And, you know, it's just because in those circle settings for ayahuasca is just where those walls are, I've been taken down just from being there. We already know that we're releasing ourselves from those walls. So it's easier to see, like you said, but in the, in the ceremony of life, everything is having an effect constantly, whether you're aware of it or not, it's all dictating how you feel, how you respond. And it's, it's all happening, but maybe the awareness is not as strong, but after a ceremony, I'm sure you can agree going back to regular life, the life ceremony, you feel all that energy a little bit more. You understand what's needed to change in your day-to-day life. You do. And you can shut it down if you want. And it's not always easy <laughs> to have that level of awareness. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and how much you invest in that is up to you. Um, and yeah, that's the freedom that we have. That's, that's real freedom. Yes. So it really is a choice. So I want to hear about, um, I would love for you to share the story of when that question that you had in your mind as a child and throughout your life and uh, how that was ultimately addressed by ayahuasca. Mm. So So the question was, who is God's God, right? Who, Who created everything, in other words, right? Or even who was God himself? Because I didn't, I didn't feel the Jewish God that I was taught. I didn't feel any connection. I didn't feel anything when we did all the ceremonies, all the, the religious practices and rituals, you know, the Passovers and the fasting. Well, the fasting was actually kind of nice, but the other kind of stuff, I had no real spiritual experience. You know what? I'll, I'll take that back. There was one moment in synagogue where I had a spiritual experience. Oh, tell me about it. And it was just a moment where everyone was reciting a prayer together, the whole room. We're talking like 600 people. And they all in synchronicity sang the, the prayer. I know I don't speak Hebrew, so I didn't even understand it. But that energy is what I connected to. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, that was the one moment. But it had nothing to do with the text. It was just the, the fact that we were all together as one for that moment. That's what I really 
Yeah, the unity of it. Yeah. And then now that now I'm saying that out loud, that unity was what I was kind of searching for my whole life. Yeah, I think that most of us are. I think all of us are really. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that love that comes with that feeling one, yeah. And that's what I got from ayahuasca, just that feeling of we are all one. And as cliche, as overused as that term is, is it still as true as it is. And when you recognize like I did in my, it was, it only took the first time going that I realized we're all connected and we all have an effect on each other. And we are all essentially one being. When I had that realization, it was just, how can you treat people badly? I mean, we do it out of response and reactions, but consciously, how could you do that when you know that's in a sense, a version of yourself you're, you're, you're in front of, you know? Yeah. Or, yeah. And, and we know now that we're just acting when we do that, we're acting out of our wounds yes. and that this is, you know, part of our healing. This is the reason why um, these beings that we connect with through ayahuasca show up as medicine, because um, if there was no illness, we wouldn't need the medicine and there would be a different relationship. And, and that is possible. And that that's what is in store for us <laughs> when we get to that point of, you know, evolving beyond you know, acting out of our wounds. Yeah, hundred percent. And that was my journey growing up. You know, I actually went down a very dark path as I was getting older. I was in my in my teenage years, I believe, around fifteen. I still actually am working through the attachment to the regret of what I said it back then. But I remember getting into debates with people that there is nothing after death. God doesn't exist. As soon as you squish an ant, it's dead. It's the same way we go. I was trying, I was arguing with people about this. And I, unfortunately, I think I even convinced someone that it was true and that I worked through in ayahuasca. It's still not fully healed, but I, I have deep regret for that. But that came out of just this, this disappointment and anger for not feeling that connection of oneness and love, you know? I think you're right. I think that that's at the bottom of it. And you, you know, you're not alone there. I mean, many of us, and there was an arrogance about it too, but behind it all was that fear, you know, it always is behind all of that unhealthy uh, behavior is fear, even though it presents itself, you know, in this big sort of, I know everything way and I'm so confident. It, it reminds me of the animals that puff themselves up to look a lot bigger <laughs> than they are, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and deep inside there they have to do that because otherwise you know their fears would be revealed and yeah, yeah a lot of teenagers and i think that the teen years and, and the young adult years and the angst that comes you know <laughs> and it seems like um predictably during those periods of our lives have a lot to do with uh, i mean personally a back this is how i feel anyway a backlash from those younger years when those things that those really special um, things that we wanted to express and that curiosity we had and all of those things were suppressed and dismissed and rejected. And, and then us doing that to ourselves to the point where, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we should be surprised that it comes kind of out that way. Right. Yeah. And you know, it even feels like it stems at least for my case that this, this deep urge to be heard was a big one. Yeah. And the fact that I, I wasn't being heard, kind of formed this attachment to anger with it. So anger attached to that feeling of not being heard, which in essence, if I was just maybe younger on, these questions were answered and, and I felt the value from getting the answers or maybe, the, but then the whole journey wouldn't have been as, as fun as it is now, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and also, you know, I think that we, we start to recognize uh, what, what gets a reaction and, um, you know, we start to pick up on the attitudes of, of the people, you know, that uh, the, the academics, we admire the people who are official and their, the confidence level that they have. And I think that there's part of that that we mimic and yeah, um, that we're starting to, as teenagers and young adults, starting to emulate, you know? Yeah, 100%. That makes, yeah, that's exactly it. And like you had this certainty about after death and, and I mean, how could any of us? And yet uh, we see all the time, this kind of certainty, you know, portrayed in matters that I guess with ayahuasca and many other experiences, we now know, Hey, everything's up for grabs, you know, <laughs> 
this reality is pretty much an evolving thing. There's, there's nothing solid about it, you know? Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing though, is finding that even like through all my ceremonies coming to that realization that you really just don't know, you know, and that's so, it's the most powerful phrase in the universe is that I don't know something, you know, we try. Yeah. That's full of possibilities. <laughs> When you claim you know, ayahuasca will know that and she'll, she'll, she'll show you what you really don't know, you know? Yeah. I've had yeah. <laughs> there was this initial feeling when I came back with this continuing dialogue where I thought I'd won the lottery. It's like, okay, after getting over the shock and realizing that I wasn't going crazy. Um, and then, of course, this, like, endless thirst for knowledge. I wanted to know everything. Let's know everything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was quickly disabused of that, you know, goal because, um, I mean, there were things that they responded to, uh, but really in the end, they were constantly trying to get back to me. And the knowing was only relevant when it was focused on me. Okay. Yeah, because any other knowing, it seemed almost frivolous. You know, I'd have this big desire to know. They would share with me something that would help me see things differently, like science. You know, I, I had this desire to know science, not for my own sake, but because this is what everybody throws in your face, it seems, when you, when you talk about spirituality and they want to bring you down to reality kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and the bringing down is, is a significant part of it. <laughs> but uh, they, I, I felt, and, you know, this could have been a little projection on my side, too, that um, if I walked out into the world and shared the kinds of things that I was dying to share because, you know, these miraculous things were happening and they were so inspiring. And I, I realized that, you know, science would be the response. Well, that can't be so because, you know, we know about the world. We know, right? And so, yeah, we got it all down now. And uh, which is such a, a ridiculous fallacy because, I mean, <laughs> we're constantly discovering anything. We, all, we knew it all when the world was flat. Yeah. So, yeah. and that was scientifically proven. <laughs> that's, a, that's a point people need to remember because the science is evolving just like we're evolving and it's in a hundred years from now, there might be a whole new set of rules that they've, they've recently discovered in that time, you know? Yeah. And so there I was questioning about science, silly me too. I have no interest in it really. Um, you know, my ideas are more along philosophical lines, right? And, and wisdom is my thing always has been. Um, that's why the nature of my question as a child was, was along those lines too, you know, um, how can you tell us what we believe? What is it to believe something that's an independent thing? You know, it's not something you can impose on someone else. Like these were philosophical ideas, right? But anyway, years later, here I am with this voice and suddenly it's about science. And um, mm. and this voice kind of, you know, just I got a download about, you know, the Big Bang and all the rest of it. And, and it occurred to me. And which was intentional. They wanted me to understand that everything that we have stated about we, meaning humans, <laughs> um, have discovered or stated about that experience was all um, a description. Um, so it never really answers the, the the fundamental question of where it all would come from. So where did the Big Bang come from? Like, you know, just like you were questioning when you were a child, where was where's the source of all of that, right? Yes. So that still remains a mystery, even though there's these big celebrations over, oh, my God, the Big Bang, all the rest of it, very um, enticing description. And it could be true, whatever. The point is that that's all it is, is a description, a very um, logical, you know, that explains a lot of things, but it doesn't really answer that fundamental question. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, that's big. And it's like, let's move on. Because the important thing was me discovering me, not anything about the Big Bang or any science or any of those things. And that's been the focus ever since, which has been amazing and far more productive. You know, my life was not going to change <laughs> fundamentally with me understanding more about that outside world, you know.
because we can play those intellectual games forever, those descriptions, you know. I use the example all the time of like someone can explain to you everything about Italy. They can tell you the smells in each street, the textures of the of the of the trees, they can tell you the the each street, what it looks like, they can tell you about the best restaurants, how the wine tastes, how it smells. But that's all just a description. When you're there and experience it, you're gonna have your own feeling because you're actually experiencing that moment. So there's like the two sides of it. There's the experiential side and then there's the intellectual side. And a lot of people get it too attached to one or the other, you know? Yeah. And it's from your own standpoint. So getting back to the focus on you because it's your experience and nobody else's, right? Yes, exactly. And why is that not have value in the, in the scientific method of the community? It's such an important part of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that that's evolving too. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so. I believe, um, so. I believe it yeah. has to. We had on our podcast, we had a, this gentleman on who's running a psychedelic therapy clinic in Toronto, actually. Yeah. And he was explaining how these concepts from the patients going under in the ketamine, because uh, they're, they're operating with ketamine at the moment. And he was going about when they come back, they have these religious spiritual experiences, some of them, and the psychologists are not prepared for this. Some of them aren't. And now that you see that that this is so common in the theme of of the patient's experiences that it needs to be part of the discussion because they're actually having this feeling and this this uh, experience and that's where I think science and spirituality are starting to collide together because when you when these substances become legal and these medicines become legal, what comes with it is these mystical experiences that you can't divorce from they're they're intertwined together you know. Yeah. And I mean, all you can do is support someone through their own exploration of that. Um, I think that with uh, science, which is very much uh, connected to academia, um, there is this understanding that there needs to be an authority that knows everything. I think that, you know, we're, we're going to end up with a very different kind of existence um, if we continue to follow this wisdom and to grow and evolve. Uh, we're going to end up with one that, that looks a lot different than that kind of um, framework it's going to be more free and more of us you know uh interacting in in um uh, a more uh more of an ecosystem with one another instead of this you know dominant um sort of paradigm right i i believe so i f i feel it after ceremony i see the faces of the new people coming and the old coming and i see what it does before and after for so many people I told you uh, before the podcast that I think I've participated now in 15 ceremonies and it's almost every ceremony when you see those newcomers come in a little bit scared, a little bit nervous. And then at the end of the whole weekend, they have like this baby face smile, <laughs> you know, it gives yeah. you a lot, a lot of um, optimism and hope for the future. Yeah, it truly changes people for sure. So I want to ask you to, to share your experience where you finally got that answer about God. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think it was a, for me, it was a gradual discovery. I, I started working with mushrooms back in 2012 was when I first started, uh, 2011, I started experience. I think I told you this before we went on air and this mushroom trip was not in the best of settings, but nonetheless was still the experience. And mm -hmm. I remember searching for the source of something. And I, it may sound ridiculous, but it was actually, for me, it was so profound. I was holding like those whippets, you know, those chocolate whippets? <laughs> it's like a marshmallow with the chalk covered all over it and a little cracker underneath. Okay. <laughs> yeah. As ridiculous as it was, I was looking at it. I'm like, this even has a source. And I actually pushed my thumb through it trying to find the source. <laughs> 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 and my friends were laughing at me, but I was, I was such in a deep philosoph philosophical state and I had chocolate all over my hands. But <laughs> <laughs> the underlying theme was that there's a root to everything and there's something more than what you see. And it was actually very profound. That powerful whippet will stick with me forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything can be used um, as a teaching tool for sure. Yeah, and it just doesn't matter how, how ridiculous it is. I mean... I have been faced with the abs most absurd tools, but if they're effective, who cares, right? Exactly. So fast forwarding to ayahuasca, because this is where that kind of curiosity was actually answered. And that was my journey into real change in my life because of that, that question that 
that empty cup I had inside is starting to get filled. And that was, that's where my kind of pivoting switch in my life happened. And it was also, you know, you hear the quote from so many people, because uh, you hear people say, I'm looking for ayahuasca, I can't find it. And everyone always responds with, you know what, ayahuasca will find you. And I used to be a little bit upset with that response, but now I'm actually giving that response when someone asks me about ayahuasca as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because it's so true, you know. I think ayahuasca knows what she's doing with you. And sometimes you go in with this desire to know or this want for something and you get not what you want, but what you needed. And that's a big point that happened. It was like, before you can answer these questions, we need to fix what's going wrong in your body first. What's holding, what the patterns that you're already operating on that aren't serving you. Like we got to clean up the clean up shop before we can start giving you the, the real lessons, you know? So that's the kind of essence I got from it. And the first night, it was a two night ceremony. The first night was just this psychological cleanse where I remembered a very vivid, uh, beautiful imagery of my entire life on a tree mapped out. And each section of the tree I looked at, it was like branches and branches and leaves were each leaf was like a, like a screenshot of my life. And then I was looking through my entire life and I was seeing these knots, these that's why I said the word before uh, entanglements. I was seeing yeah. these like branches were all stuck together and all those little moments. I was looking at it. I'm like, Oh, these are traumas that were never actually dealt with. And that branch stemmed onto another branch with more leaves. And it all started from this entanglement. So it's just started the ayahuasca just started untangling each thing. And some of them were more painful than others because in order to heal, you have to observe and see what's going on. You can't heal without knowing, right? So mm -hmm. I had to be very aware of each thing it was working through. And I remember telling myself, just trust the process, just work through it. And one after the other, she was untangling uh, traumas and everything in my life that were, was, was creating these patterns. And that was my first night of ceremony. It was just this deep cleanse, this deep psychological cleanse. And then the second night, was nothing, nothing psychological. It was actually, I could have been as sober. I could have driven a car. I felt so sober, but my body was being worked on. And I felt ayahuasca working through the, the deep guck that's stored in the body. And I just felt all this, these weird sensations in my ribs, in my, in my intestines, my liver, whatever. And I remember I just left, I went outside and I just purged for the, the whole, the remainder of the ceremony, like two hours of purging and smiling and laughing and purging and smiling and laughing like many people can relate to in, in ceremony. <laughs> and that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the answer to the question. Before I can get to the, to the, to the, to that answer, you got to work through this, at least for me, I had to work through all those patterns that were actually steering me off the path. And once those were addressed, that, that stemmed from the, the lessons after that were changing my diet and, and not operating on those painful patterns that I was usually operating on. Once I started following that, then the answer started to reveal itself to me. And, and what was your experience where um, ayahuasca showed you about God? Yes. So that was probably a few ceremonies after, maybe a year later. I feel I really did the integration like we spoke about. I really, all the things that I was, that was revealed to me in terms of my diet, how I treat my body and my psychological state, how I treat others. Once I really started following that and treating everyone as that oneness that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. I, ayahuasca, this gave me this vision. I spoke about it on my podcast, but it's so beautiful. And I, I, I don't have enough gratitude in the world to, to, to share I, I can't share the amount of gratitude I have for, for having this experience, but I'll, it's just so beautiful. I remember I was going in like this tunnel. This is a vision during ceremony. And at the end of the tunnel, I see a giant figure and that figure was Jesus. And I, I'm not, like we said, I'm not a religious person in the terms of religion, but seeing Jesus, I kind of looked at me, okay, there's Jesus. He's massive. And he was pointing towards this door to this temple. So I'm like, okay, let's go to the temple. So I go inside and in the temple, I just see, I see Moses, I see Mohammed, I see all the goddesses and gods of every text you can imagine. They're all in this lounge, this temple, and they're all just, just drinking or drinking their tea or whatever and playing chess. They're, they're playing like a game or something. And I remember seeing them. And I'm like, holy crap, this is, you guys are just hanging out here. And 
I'm looking at each one of them and behind them, there's these like crazy paths of like a road behind each one of them. And I was looking at the road and I see there's like a trail of people in each road, each, each person, each God and goddess had a road behind them and a massive amount of followers behind it, all coming to this temple. And that's when I realized I'm like, wow, you guys figured it out. You figured out that we are all one. We're all heading to the same destination just different paths to the same source. And I remembered that I didn't fit on those paths back into the childhood of not connecting with Judaism, but realizing that each one of these gods and goddesses were, were once us, once human, and they, they figured out their own way to get there. And that was the most powerful moment in all my ceremonies, because I realized you have the potential to figure out your own way to enlightenment and to, 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 to that. I call it the God realm. You can follow these paths if you connect with those paths, but you can, if you don't connect to them, it's fine too. You're going to figure out your way there anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, there are many ways to get there and we all have, we're all very unique and ayahuasca certainly helps us to appreciate that, that there's a reason why we're all so unique and it's a beautiful part of life really that we should celebrate. Um, so tell me about your experience afterwards. Did you share this with your family? I mean, how did this go over with, um, I mean, obviously it had a profound effect on you, a positive one. And then how, how did it, how did that unfold afterwards? You talking about this experience or did you? You know, it's <clears throat> one of the hardest things to do is to share your experience with people afterwards who weren't there or didn't participate in ayahuasca yet because they kind of scratch their head and they look at you like oh yeah you saw god oh cool but for (laughs) you this crazy deep revelation where it's like it literally changing your life and then it's summed up in like oh very cool cool okay and then what do you want to do later or did you puke like that's like usually the two questions asked (laughs) (laughs) oh my god why are people so obsessed with that it's so funny i love it because it's the one thing that they can relate to, right? That's the thing. I look at it as like their last thread of resistance. Like, oh, I don't want to puke. Uh, I would never do that. But it's like the the purging is just like 0.01% of the experience. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so small, really. And, and as you say, it can be something that you really uh, feel good about because you know what it's accomplishing for you. But anyway, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, all these things, they, they happen for a reason. When people aren't ready, they're going to use that crutch. And that's it. Actually, maybe it's not meant for them then. You know what I mean? So it's perfect the way it, it all is, right? Strange yeah. as it may seem. And so I explaining to people started getting a little bit, it, it started losing its meaning in a sense, because the more I started sharing it, the less it, the more words I started putting onto these experiences, the less value it happened, it had for me. So it started to deteriorate as I translated it instead of acting on it. And that's kind of one of the motives I started my podcast was I can put it out once my experience and it's there forever. If someone wants to, to learn more about my experience with ayahuasca, there's now we have sound clips. So it's like, I put it out there and now I can, I can, I can continue the integration. I don't have to continue explaining. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, what it, what it meant for you, I mean, what I feel is the most powerful thing uh, that others experience as a result of us coming back and sharing our experiences is not only the words, it's usually the state, like for, for those who know us. They see the difference. They don't have to hear about it. We show up and they look at us and they experience this person who has clearly changed. Exactly. You know, and that's, that's what I keep trying to emphasize on is that live by what, what the lessons are, live by the lessons that are taught from these experiences. You know, you can go back with beautiful stories and well put uh, directions, how your trip went and, and illustrate it beautifully. But what's going to stick is not the stories, but rather your, how you have evolved from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we get that, that state of grace that we're in afterwards. Many of us anyway, we're in that lovely state where we know we've changed. And then we can either fall back into patterns or not. And that, that's where the work comes in and that's where the choices happen. Um, oh, yeah. But even... You know, even that experience that you had of, of sharing it with people and um, 
and, and how it started to diminish the experience itself was, was a significant and valuable experience, right? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, maybe also the fact that I was sharing it more and receiving responses, sometimes good, sometimes just brushing it off, maybe yeah. kind of gave me this false sense of com- accomplishment that it, the, the, the lessons were already, were already um, integrated. And maybe I went back to old patterns. It was like an insidious way to just not live by that example. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, sure. I think there's a reason that we're compelled to share the things that, that we do. Um, but arriving at that place where you did was, you know, just as important, if not more. Um, and you never know, like, it's funny, we all, some of us anyway, have, have these concerns about how does it come off when we share these things that must sound pretty crazy to people. And you really never know the impact that you can have years later. Um, I, I remember hearing stories that I didn't quite get years ago. And then suddenly they, they fall into place in my mind when I experienced the medicines, you know, like you just never know. And, and to not be attached to that outcome too is very important. To share it, you know, out of your own uh, inspiration and enthusiasm is great. And then just let it go. And, and who knows what people will or will not do with it. It's not your business. You know, you just leave that alone and move on, right? That's, that's actually a very solid point that I, I'm realizing actually, because even in my journey when I was first learning about plant medicines and all this stuff, was, I would listen to Terrence McKenna and Dennis McKenna and Aubrey Marcus and, on their trip reports. And I remember just like this, this, them talking about DMT, for example, how they would encounter alien type beings. And I remember I was just like, whoa, that's so cool. That's so cool. Like, I, I want to get into it. I was young at the time. And then years later, when I go into these experiences now, I, I, I kind of resonate with what they were talking about a lot more, but from a different angle, you know? Yeah. So it's, there is value in sharing for sure. And it might resonate with someone years later or right in the moment. It's not really, it's not really up to us to decide. It's how they respond to it. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, just as you were mentioning, you know, entities and, and aliens or whatever, we discussed this in the last podcast um, because many of us say, you know, we are connected to these beings or, you know, higher consciousness, whatever words you feel comfortable with. And a lot of people don't feel as comfortable with this idea of them being alien. (laughs) And it's because of, I guess, all the hype around aliens. And there's been a lot of fear created about, about this idea. Um, And it's, it's very clearly, you know, this, this trying to um, put it into human terms, right? And then anybody that could potentially have any being that could have power over you is is a um, a scary thing for some of you know the uh, people and institutions that are in place in this world. Um, so understandably, there's going to be that that response, and then that in turn, of course, impacts our reactions and ideas about about these things and our attitudes about it. So for the longest time, I mean, a lot of people didn't even want to talk about the possibility that or or the idea that who or whatever they connected to was an alien rather than, you know, what we consider to be a spiritual being. And I don't know if there's any difference. I think that the difference has to do with our our own ideas and how we categorize things, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, it's, it's an intelligence, you know, and what that really could represent is that um, that that could bring up a lot of fear in people because they're all of a sudden, wait, there's something else more advanced than us that can scare a lot of people, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny guys. I have, I've done some thinking about this too, because um, I mean, you mentioned as a child that, you know, or as a younger person, you were fascinated with this. All kids, I think, well, most of them are, are intrigued, you know, by this idea of aliens. I think that most of us are as adults, but it's a matter of not openly admitting it or not allowing ourselves to even contemplate it some more than others, right? Um, (laughs) But there's this idea that that there's certain things that we associate with the idea of aliens. And one of them is that flat voice, you know, 
Um, I, I do I do this these voices with my son that make him laugh. You know this alien voice. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and he giggles and we love it and we have a lot of fun with it. But it suddenly occurred to me that, you know, years later after, you know, many medicine experiences and having some people talk about their interactions with these figures that they uh, relate to as aliens. Um, I had a friend who was fearful because of the fact that this alien uh, being didn't seem to have any emotions. And then I realized that this flat voice that we relate to, in fact, there are times that, you know, uh, in doing these voices for my son, I could be either a robot or an alien and I'd have to, you know, tell him which I was pretending to be at the time. <laughs> and then I realized, okay, so there's something having to do with these, this higher level of consciousness or this, these other beings um, that, that don't have all this emotion. Uh, and, and I think that what we're also learning through our experiences and integration and just through the wisdom that's being shared with us that all these crazy reactions of ours, you know, are usually coming from places that, you know, are not healthy. And the ones that, that are, are, you know, you know, love and joy and, and all of those things. And, uh, you know, ultimately there's not that huge fluctuation. And I can see that, you know, there, there can be this, interpretation of that flatness as being actually zen mm. <laughs> you know <laughs> but a very interpreted in a way that's different and and I, I can fully appreciate this because when I first had these voices and I was having all these reactions and then I would project onto them these reactions and they would constantly say to me hey when you're experiencing that and you're thinking of us it's not us it's you because we don't have that you know, we don't have any of those emotions. So <laughs> just that's know that that's power. true. <laughs> that's the power we have is that interpretation. We can choose that too. It's like, oh, out of fear, out of love, or you don't have emotion. Or you, like, that's all just our response to it. But it is what it is. It's existing as it is. It's just we're putting our, we're projecting what we think it is onto it, you know? Yes. Yeah. Having that awareness is, is really important. And, and that was a gift that I was given. Um, but it, we, we were talking, you and I, about acting out of our wounds and, and all of these things and, uh, and acting out of pain. And, and I think that if we weren't doing that, the less we do that, the more even we become. And then, you know, there are people who may interpret that as that, that may be scary or frustrating for people who, who are uh, uh, wanting those reactions because it's familiar and then they know how to respond kind of thing. It's a, we, we are attached to what's familiar, whether it's healthy or not, you know? That's true. Yeah. You know, and then we relate it as being good <laughs> because we're so familiar with it. Yeah, exactly. So um, another discussion that we had was uh, our, attachment to to fear which is ultimately what's behind all of these unhealthy things and and that's related to survival and um you know one of the things that ayahuasca helps us see is that you know there's nothing to be feared from moving on to our next level of existence right when for i a hundred percent but for me ayahuasca showed me fear as as a choice and it was illustrated in this beautiful vision that I would love to share with your audience. Oh, please do. I, maybe you've seen it. I've shared it on Facebook a few times, but it's called the fear carnival. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Ayahuasca has such a way of communicating with you. It's just sometimes through intense imagery and sometimes through sensation, but I was given this image and I, I'm so happy. I have, I wish I was an artist. I would have painted it, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> So if someone's out there and you can paint, if you, if you get inspired by this, please do it. <laughs> so basically, it was, uh, it was during ceremony. I forgot at what point, maybe after the second service. I was just awareness. I wasn't a physical body, but I was like this, this awareness hovering over this uh, dark, gloomy, mountain-ish area. Like a little village, whatever you want to call it, but it was like in the mountains. And then I see towards the left, this giant carnival. And it was just, the carnival was just lit up. There was fair merry-go-rounds. There was um, uh, Ferris wheels. There was all the rides, the popcorn machines, the, you know, those games where you like shoot the bullseye, you get like the giant prize. 
Yeah. Yeah, all that fun stuff. There's clowns, there's yeah. shows. It was like the, the craziest carnival you can imagine. It was just so beautiful. And the title was, uh, it was just like Fear Carnival. That's what it said, Fear Carnival. And everyone was lining up and they were paying with this <laughs> currency. <laughs> and the currency was fear dollars. So they were paying with fear dollars to get in. And basically the more, the more fear dollars you had, the, the further you can go into the carnival. So it's like a parallel with life in a sense. And you saw people that super overweight, very skinny. You saw all sorts of people. Some people were just feasting on the popcorn. Some people were going on the craziest rides. And the more fear dollars you had, the bigger, the bigger, the better you can get into the, into, into the depths of this carnival. And then on the right of this giant carnival was like this gloomy path into like this very dark, misty forest. And there was like a sign above the forest saying the beyond. And you just saw a couple stragglers going that way. And I realized that this was the illustration was the, the two paths you can take. You can give into fear and stay comfortable with the fear carnival, pay the fear currencies, stay, stay in that light show, eat the popcorn, eat the hot dogs, eat the corn dogs, stay there. Or you can go to the misty forest, which is the, the unknown, the beyond. And that's where we all try to avoid, or not all of us, but a lot of us try to avoid going there. So we resort back to fear and safety and comfort. But the unknown is, is only as scary as you project it to be. But once you go there, you're going to find what you're looking for. And that was the vision I got from that ceremony. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I love when they present us with these empowering ideas about choices. Did you end up going into the forest or was oh, it just concept? You did? <laughs> okay. Me, those who know me know I'm going to that forest. <laughs> And, but that's it. So going into that forest, it wasn't really what was there that was the question. It was just the direction you're going in life is more important. And that's what I got out of it. It wasn't that I went down this forest and then a whole bunch of other visions came. It was actually, this vision kind of faded away as I chose to go to the beyond. But it was more about the meaning behind that choice that I'm not going to let fear dictate me. I'm not going to pay the fear currency. And I'm going to explore the uncomfort and the, the unknown and see what's on the other side. And that was a huge thing. Part of my integration is just any chance, any moment I feel that resistance boil up and I don't want to do things, that's where I should be going. Some, obviously, if things are dangerous and stuff, there's, there's a real physical law that you have to follow. I'm not going to go jump off a cliff, but um, a lot of things that we, we think are scary are only our interpretation is scary. So that vision is kind of like a mantra in a sense. Don't give in to fear. That was another one. Sorry. The whole time repeating this whole, this whole vision, the whole time repeating in the background was don't give in to fear. Don't give in to fear. And it was just repeating like that was the carnival music that I was hearing as I was hovering through this vision. And that's like a mantra that I operate on now. Anytime I feel this fear coming up, you have the choice in life to, 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 to feed the fear and stay with the fear and stay comfortable and stay afraid and, and, and protected or veer into the unknown see what's on the other side of it why are you afraid let's find out you know yeah um i'm so glad you shared that because we really do need to be reminded of this over and over again because that carnival is a lot of what we see in the media you know and so we're we're surrounded by these kinds of ideas and they have an impact and we see it play out and we're even taught even um i remember uh, God, I can't remember what the name of this animated movie was, but um, it was all about the emotions and there was fear. And um, I remember reading about uh, the person yeah, who... Children's movie. It was Disney or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw it. It was incredible. I forgot the name, but I, there was a, like a deep revelation about fear and love, right? Um, yeah, I'm sure there's uh, there were lots of revelations to be had throughout it. Um, <laughs> But I remember referring to it when I was teaching kids about some of the concepts that, you know, are integrative. And, and um, there was, um, oh, yeah, because fear was supposed to be necessary to protect us. And what I presented was, I said, it, do you think that it's possible to understand um, that there are things that can harm us and be aware of it and avoid it without being fearful? You know, and, and that's a question that I put out there. And of course, they, you know, a lot of the kids said yes. And, and then some of them were thinking about it. And I thought, okay, well, let's just leave that with them. Because, you know, we do have that option. 
we don't fear doesn't always help us we certainly have biological uh, responses that can help us get out of situations but it doesn't mean that you know on a day-to-day -day basis going into fear is going to protect us right <laughs> that's true too actually yeah yeah we can we can react uh, um you know powerfully and be have that awareness without you know collapsing into fear um anger is another one like ayahuasca taught me that that's a choice too you know and the way that she presented it was um, there wasn't such an elaborate presentation, but she just said, you don't have to participate in, in it. And that one day there will be a generation that doesn't know that language. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I think that we have to entertain the possibility of these things no longer being part of our existence if we're going to actually truly shed them. We have to believe it's possible. And I think that's what the medicines are introducing to us. And then we have the free will to respond how, how we will, right? 100%. And, you know, it's, um, that's a good point because actually in a podcast we're releasing next week, we spoke about this, about anger. And I was, so I'm a massage therapist as well. And I was mas massaging a client and she was telling me, because uh, uh, her back was out. She really, her back just seized up, you know, and mm -hmm. so many people's backs right now are just seizing up. And that's a very emotionally, emotionally charged area where a lot of things are stored. Right. And when I was working on her, I'm like, what kind of emotions are coming up as I work here? And she's like, uh, anger. There's a lot of anger. She was uh, saying that the anger, there's a lot of anger inside. I'm like, angry about what? She's like, my son, he lives in London. I wish he was here with me right now. And during the coronavirus a lot of people have mixed ideas about it, but what sticks is a lot of people are afraid. And so she was very angry that he's not here with her back in Montreal. And I said, okay, what's behind the anger? Because is it actual anger or is there something else? And then she looked behind the anger and found that it was sadness. She's actually just sad that he's not there, you know, but this anger was like this wall that she, she formed this, this meaning behind this feeling that she can, she can give energy to. And then the anger is almost in a sense of distraction, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't let us work through our feelings about it and be vulnerable and all of that. Yeah. Like, you know, you get a firewall for your computer. It blocks viruses. It's like anger is like our firewall. It blocks everything from coming in, you know, and it's, yeah. it's a protection. It's a protection mechanism. But when you detach from the anger, then all of a sudden you can start to say, oh, what's, what's, what's fueling this fire? What's the firewood behind it? Oh, in a lot of cases, it's sadness. You know, it's something that wasn't dealt with pain, you know, and that's what she was able to, I didn't go further with her. I gave her that. And like you told those kids, I let them digest it for a little bit. And I feel yeah. like she had a lot of work done just from observing. Yeah, I think that that's the important thing to open the door and and then let that person, you know, work through it because we all know how really. It's just an invitation to do it and and then you discover what's behind the anger and and it's usually something important that we need to acknowledge or, you know, um do with or express sometimes, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, lack of being able to express what you needed to led to anger, right? We yeah. all can relate to that. 100% and and that was part of my journey too, was recognizing that through her was from years of recognizing it through myself that I used to op operate on, on a lot of angry programmings because that was what's so, was so easy to protect those deeper questions that were never answered and that, that unfulfillment and that sadness behind all of that. And I would be, I was actually a very aggressive teenager. I would get into street fights. I was just getting into trouble with the police. I was just, I wasn't a quote unquote, a good kid, you know, and it wasn't, that I was essentially a bad kid. It was just that I was, there was this, this, this hold inside that was just getting stronger and deeper until I faced it. And that's where my life started to change, you know? Yeah. No bad kids, exactly. <laughs> no bad people, just suffering. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard pill for some people to swallow to realize, but that's the truth. Yeah. And we, we do celebrate some of that, you know, harshness too. So, um, you know, kids that feel unprotected or, um, you know, uh, any of those insecurities, um, you know, this seems to be a good way to cover it up and to protect ourselves. And uh, even as adults, um, it's being presented as, as righteous and 
there's a very you know ego driven society that we're influenced by that that uses that places these emotions in certain ways that make them very appealing and you know um, if we have those problems where you know it's it's understandable that we end up attaching ourselves to these emotions instead of working through them which is another thing that really um, I think that we need to learn a lot about um, as younger people. Um, I wasn't given those tools and most people weren't. And it's something that we don't value as much as we need to. And then you grow older and all these problems happen. And then, you know, many people end up in therapy and like uh, we're, we have educational institutions. What are they teaching us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if not about ourselves? You know, the most important aspect of our life experience is going to be driven by who we are. And if we're not uh, encouraged to, to learn more about that, then, yeah, no wonder that there's so many things wrong with, with what we're experiencing today. Well, even think about the education system, like the arts. That's like what, back at least for me, I don't know if it's changed now. I don't have kids yet, but... Um, we had art class once a week, you know, that's, that's the class of expression, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's a moment for you to express the creative mind. And that was like one period a week of 60 minutes. And then fitness was one, one period a week of 60 minutes. And then the sciences, everything, which are great were every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a tremendous imbalance. And, and I, I do think that that's changing too. I, I see mindfulness creeping into everything you know and of course you know uh, as well we have ayahuasca that's making quite an impact around the world and the only reason it is is because people know there's a need and people are tuning into it inside and as you say ayahuasca finds people because that's the intention you know um <laughs> it's going to because it's needed i i use this analogy all the time it feels like ayahuasca is spreading her vines across the globe Absolutely. I have done too. Yes. And I think that we, we're sensing that this is the case. I mean, um, there is intention there too on that side <laughs> of things. And we can certainly feel that in ceremony as well, that there's a, there's a desire for once we're open enough and ready enough and our will is aligned, you know, um, with it, with change, then, you know, their purpose is to help us accomplish that. And, and that's an intention on their side for sure. Oh yeah. And she knows what she's doing. You know, we like to think, um, we like to think we're above or we know a lot or know more, but ayahuasca has her own plans and yeah. we're just riding that wave, you know, <laughs> maybe this yeah. is part of her plan is I definitely feels like that for my podcast, at least that in some way I'm trying to formulate this analogy, but it feels like, uh, in a sense, I'm a bee pollinating ayahuasca outwards. And it's just, that's, because bees don't even realize they're planting new, new flowers by pollinating, but that's the process. And it feels like ayahuasca, in a sense, is kind of channeling through all of us who talk about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She's been very clear with me about all of this because <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get out of it a few times. Yeah. Um, I found it a little nerve wracking and uh, all kinds of other things, all that discomfort of going out of, you know, going into that unknown and, uh, and all kinds of other issues came up when I decided to use my voice. But, and yeah, I, I found many ways out and she always found ways for me to get back in. <laughs> so if you're doing it, um, there's usually a reason for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you never know again, how, how you impact people you may hear from some people but you won't hear from all of them that are impacted by it and i don't know about you but my show has never been about trying to encourage people to do ayahuasca it's about sharing the kinds of things we're learning through it and and helping the people that you know are engaging with it to uh to share that integrative journey really i i mean me and my uh, co-host we, we reflected on why we're doing this and initially it was to just spread awareness about plant medicines but it slowly evolved into something more which we're kind of finding the words for it we still don't even know but it's just in essence it's just to inspire people to think differently or to think yeah. more that's about it that's as much as you can offer yeah and and we're all going to have our you know unique way of going about it and that's beautiful because there's so many people out there with that are going to resonate with different things and yeah i think that we're all doing the work in in our own unique ways a hundred percent and you know that's 
that's super valuable and a really good reminder for everyone to know that as little as or as big as what you think you're contributing to the world and to your society and your culture, uh, your your uh, community, as little or as big as you think it is, it's always going to affect someone. And it's always going to change someone's perspective. And, you know, that that sense of you matter is such a valuable thing because you know, I look at it like it's a giant pot. This world is a giant pot and everyone's throwing in their spices. Some people have like this giant mix they're putting in and the, you, because you, you hear about them, they have a huge following and their flavor is really tasty, but <laughs> it, only, it only works because our flavors are all in it together. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautifully said. And on that note, I think we're going to have to end this wonderful session. Thank you so much, Nathaniel, for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more ayahuasca integration and personal growth content, please visit RebeccaHayden.com.